I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. How many goals would Villa have conceded with Nyland in goals tonight? <laughs> so I've got the answer for you. Uh, or do you, you want to guess and I'll tell you? Guess. Well, Connor Hurrahan will score an OG. Correct. <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. Tweet went there at 5.01pm, Douglas Louise, two letters, Feh, you can imagine all the responses. English please mate, we got the translation, it was Faith. One hour before the kickoff, unnervingly still messing around on social media, Douglas Louise was asking for Faith, and why the hell wouldn't you have Faith when he's anchoring your midfield? Why wouldn't you have it when Ezra Kanza is fighting through injury for the cause? Are you listening Matty Target? And why wouldn't you have it when Emmy Martin is producing one of the all-time great penalty saves and announcing himself with a plum on his debut? Football is back. John McGinn is back. We have our Villa back. Three points clear of the relegation zone. 37 more games left. Just 37 more points required. <sighs> Liam, Alan Smith is miserable the best of times, but he was really surprised. It was a, it was a penalty. It was a red card for John Egan. Uh, then Carragher joined in. They were all surprised. Um, John Egan committed a foul, denied a clear goal-scoring opportunity. The punishment for that is a red card. So what the fuck is everyone's problem? Everyone's problem is that they don't properly understand football, it seems. I mean, that is the least ambiguous rule in football. If someone's free on goal and they get pulled to the ground, the referee gives the free kick. He gives a red card. Baffling. Like he was, he was holding Ollie Watkins to the balls over the top from Tyrone Mings, one of his many balls over the top, and he's holding Ollie Watkins for about about two and a half seconds. Like Watkins, Watkins actually did really well to keep driving with that that sort of power because John Egan's a big man. It was a clear foul. It was clearly through on goal. Somebody had tweeted me to say he was about thirty meters out, and it's like it doesn't matter if he's sixty meters out. He was through on goal and a one on one. There's there's nothing else to talk about. It was a red card. It was a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, exactly. You're right. There's nothing else to talk about. It's not even like it, it was a, a 
a clever foul or you know something that you had to go to VAR for. He was fouling them as you said for two and a half seconds. It's a red card. People want rules as long as they can have shades of the rules. That's that's the problem when it's black and white. But here's one, and I'm actually almost a little bit annoyed for the podcast's sake that uh, he produced a penalty save. But I think I had texted you just beforehand, like it was it was having a, not a stormer, but I just texted you saying I like the cut of Emmy Martinez's jib. Like he just it just holds himself well. You can tell immediately that he's a safe pair of hands. Um, there was an amazing penalty save, one of the best penalty saves I've ever seen. We'll get to that. But like you and I both played in a tournament last November, I think it was, and I brought a goalkeeper along. Nobody knew who he was. But you realize straight away that he's a good keeper. Just you know, he makes a save or he looks solid, he knows what he's doing, he's talking, and that just sort of liberates everybody else. And like it's not like you no, know, you have to worry that you're going to be punished every single time you lose the ball. Yeah, you you said there he was a safe, safe pair of hands, but before the penalty save, we didn't really see that. What we saw was he was a safe, safe pair of feet. There was a lot of <laughs> passes drilled into him that he was comfortable with, he controlled, he took his time, and when he needed to, he well he did away, or he passed it out casually. Um, no, and that, that keeper you brought, the best thing about him was he was he was on your back. He was telling you where to go. He was letting you letting you know who was running behind you. And he was keeping you wide awake, which is the best thing that you want from a goalkeeper, especially in a five-a-side tournament. And especially <laughs> if your two centre-halves are Esri Kanza and Tyrone Mings. As much as I love them, they do have a tendency to switch off and they do have big errors in their game. So I think having Emmy Martinez behind them could bring their game on to the next level. Well, actually, interesting that you mentioned that because maybe this is now um, infectious because I saw a tweet from Ashley Pierce who tweeted out then, not for the first time tonight, Mings has told Cash to be more vocal. And he, he puts in quotes, Cashy, talk to Trez. Um, you know, so obviously, Matty Cash <laughs> isn't long playing right back. Um, I know he's got Tyrone Mings on his back, who probably has Emmy Martinez on his back as well. Everybody just seems a bit more tuned in, but let's, let's talk about the, like Emmy Martinez, we know, like, actually, let's, let's do the penalty first. Um, some United fans were a bit salty that it wasn't blown up for... Uh, him coming off his line, one of his feet stayed on the line, so that's the rule again. Nothing else is <laughs> nothing else is <laughs> but a, a great penalty save as well, considering the new rule where you have to stay on the line. And he was able to just get himself the whole way across. And talking about his jib, like I, I sort of had a feeling that he was going to save it, and I didn't know Lundstrom was going to hit a penalty that well, but like Jesus, he got across well, he got across brilliantly. And as you said, because of that new rule that they're apparently sticking to religiously. To get that far across with a penalty that was well hit. No, it's not right in the corner, but it's drilled. It's drilled the way mm-hmm. Lundstrom hits every ball he hits. That was one of the most amusing things from the game. Was figuring out that Lundstrom seems to think that he's got some sort of Kevin De Bruyne within him. There was one or two <laughs> moments where he was out in the right wing and he tried to whip across in. And he's had the same body shape as De Bruyne. Uh, bizarre. He must have had an ego boost from his fantasy football picks last year. Hopefully he hasn't <laughs> checked his stats this year, not as he moved into midfield. But uh, no, the penalty save is amazing. It's absolutely, it was absolutely incredible. And there's a still from right behind Lundstrom as he hits it. You see Lundstrom's body shape looks like he's, he's jumping up. You know, when you hit a ball that hard, you jump up afterwards. But mm. he gets across incredibly. It was unreal. What what about the the other two debutants? So Ollie Watkins, we'll start with him. Um, what I really liked about him, and this is a small thing, and I'm like, I'm probably clutching because you want your striker to play well, but. Uh, there was one stage where his touch looked really well, especially at the start, and he had another nice touch, but he was completely surrounded. But he kept moving 
if you know what I mean, he moved out with the ball. He didn't, he didn't allow himself to be swallowed up and just get pushed over and a defender take the ball. And the ref would never give that because once the forward stops with the ball, if he's back to goal about 30 metres out, you, you're getting what you deserve sort of thing. It's like, get the, get the hell out of the way. Like, that's that's the one that I just imagine Samata falling over the ball with and then Sheffield United just streaming back down the pitch whilst uh, McGinn and Hurrahan and two of the fullbacks have pushed up. You know, it might not be a goal for Sheffield United, but it just changes the complexion. When you've got a forward who's not only got a good touch and is confident in himself, but he's smart enough to keep moving and just always try and like, square up to goal when he takes a touch. What do you think of Watkins? Bill Watkins is brilliant. I think uh, the best and worst thing about Ali Samata is that he does get to the ball first. And that means he has the ball sometimes as well, which is unfortunate. But with Bolly Watkins, the ball gets drilled into his feet for the first his first touch. And the defender tries to read the back pass, which is the classic centre-forward pass if you're on your own. Defender sells himself and Watkins just rolls it through his legs out to Cash. Cash whips it in and John McGinn comes into the back post. But then his second touch, it was a loft and ball. Three huge Sheffield United centre-halves beside him. And again, he takes it down and he plays the pass off. His movement's brilliant. That, that, was the, that was the only thing you could really tell because there wasn't that many chances created for the centre-forward. But his yeah. movement was great. And wasn't from lack of his movement that he wasn't getting chances. Yeah, he keeps himself alive. Like that's it. Like he just he always makes himself an option. I remember um, we were playing. We were playing at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin, and uh, we just had, we had this great like League of Ireland manager in who was like it's just the first time that I had a manager who would have been managing at that level. And it sounded so simple, but I never had anyone say it before. He just he just sort of went through every player, especially in the back line. And it's like if the ball's here. Here is now where everybody else should be, where they should be offering an option, basically. Like, you know, if, if the right back has the ball, he, he points out five people now who should be given an option in these different places. And it's it sort of reminded me of, of Ollie Watkins. And, you know, just is always just wherever the ball is, whatever's happening, he's keeping himself alive and keeping himself as an option. And that just makes such a difference, especially when you've got people like, like Grealish who are like, used to having people just stand and looking at them, hoping to do something. Yeah, and like that, that is something that that you want to see from your centre forward, definitely. And I remember it was Gary Neville was talking about it before. Not that I like to quote Gary Neville, but he was um saying, whenever you see a ball turned over the top and there's nobody there, and you're thinking, who was he even trying to play that to? It's because somebody's supposed to be there. And you can imagine Dean Smith as a manager who coaches systems, coaches players where to be. And Ollie Watkins has definitely bought into that. He knows where Dean Smith wants him to be. And if Dean Smith wants him to be there, the rest of the players know where he's supposed to be as well. So it's just there's a lot more cohesion to the attacks. Even when even when it wasn't resulting in a chance, the play wasn't breaking down. But I'm, I'm a bit worried that you have twice referenced your own incredibly modest football career. Now, I know your enthusiasm has probably been tempered by Aston Villa's performances last year, but that's, that's ludicrous. <laughs> like, we were talking about, um, you were saying how important it is to have a a good goalkeeper and five aside and like and that's sort of the same as having a good goalkeeper in the Premier League. <laughs> I'm talking about some friendly that we played in the in a media game at the Aviva, an empty Aviva Stadium, but I suppose it's pretty similar. Um Matty Cash, you mentioned Matty Cash. Um I think he started off really well and then sort of went quiet. Like he, he I was very happy to three of his deliveries were just on point. There was nothing I can't believe how many right backs just miss hit a ball when they're trying to cross it in. It's, it's crazy. Like how often sort of attackers? Matty Cash isn't a right back, so it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why it works with El Mahamedy then as well. Because <laughs> because that's 
that's one of the things I was not not raging about, but um, I was a bit disappointed to see that we had signed another right back. It was like, oh, respect Elmo. What's what's the problem? And um, but then Matty Cash is just delivering the exact same sort of ball with the exact same sort of whip, and he, he just he's probably a bit more not tuned in, but maybe physically a bit better than than Elmo Hamidi. How do you think he went? Yeah, but that's the thing. Villa bought or three new players started today. Two of them in massive problem areas from last season that everybody would agree Villa needed. They needed a centre forward and they needed a goalkeeper. And then they bought a right back as well. First signing. I thought, that's strange. As you said, respect Elmo. But, and maybe we'll come on to this later. Like, Elmo's 33. And I think the system that Dean Smith, no, we only had 12 minutes of it because the game obviously entirely changed after the card. But we only had 12 minutes of what you could see the system is that Dean Smith wants to play. And that necessitates having Matty Cash. If he didn't have Matty Cash, he can't have Elmo for every game of the season. He needed a yeah. right back. He was like, you know, it's almost like Dean Smith knows his own squad better than I did. <laughs> yeah, well, it reminds me of the time that I was playing a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, John McGinn, we met him at the top of the show. Um, I know he started off well last season, but I don't know. I'm starting to get excited that we're seeing the John McGinn that everybody. Everybody knows. Remember the excitement last, like, was it was it deadline day last year? It was during during the transfer window anyway when he signed that new contract um, because there was rumours of Man United and every, everybody in for him. Um, he, he looked he looked the part. He was he was a lot better than he was last season. I, I think the first the first month he probably didn't stop from the playoffs and he he kept going in the Premier League last season. But I think after that he had a massive drop off. And I know Villa's form completely changed and there was a lot less confidence in the team. But I, I, thought, I thought he was actually bad for a lot longer than a lot of other people thought he was. I mean, people seem to think that Villa were, you know, lost out a lot because McGinn got injured last year. I don't think he was playing well enough for people to have been worried about that. I thought he was he was lethargic. He was leggy. He was touch was heavy. He was overplaying passes. But today, he was a lot better. And even the first two minutes, he must have made two 80-yard runs to get into the box. Yeah, It was incredible. It was just the balance the midfield had for the first half. Now, I know they were playing against a, a team of only 10 men, but the balance in the midfield looked great, especially with John, Gin- John McGinn's energy. Horan's <laughs> left foot and not much else. And then the best defensive midfielder in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's it like with McGinn like like you mentioned those two bursts in the first two minutes I was worried because off the back of his, his knockdown comeback last year I was like Jesus this, this boy is going to gas out now after 10 minutes but um, he kept it going and like that that's the McGinn like that like I know it was the championship but he was still doing that same running with that same intensity like no matter who he was playing against and like he was he was following boys down into the corner he was hounding the ball back like I oh, remember all those those gifts and videos like of, of a dog with a bone like that that's John McGinn, and like obviously a good touch on him, big arse on him, and a good left foot. And I thought, finally, there we go. This is McGinn. It's almost—I don't want to sound like cheesy or cliched, but it's, it's almost like a new signing in itself. The fact that that John McGinn is back compared to what he was last year, and like I, I just, I just thought like he, he sort of perfectly complemented the system as well. Like not only was he was he good and he brought the energy and stuff like that, but if Villa are going to be a proper attacking threat. I think Dean Smith had talked about before the season had started that he was happy with how they tightened up the defence last year and going into the start of this year, but he's still a little bit worried that they're not as creative as he'd like them to be. They need boys like that just busting the guts. You need to bust your balls. Like that's the that's the bottom, like that's the base level that you need to bring. And if McGinn's bringing that, then it's a, it's a big thing. 
Yeah, well, yeah, he, de- he definitely needs to bust a gut, especially if he's going to be playing with Trezeguet in front of him, where he has to do the run for two men, apparently. But uh, no, the, the, the first move was, was it got me really excited. It was after about 60 seconds, and I mentioned it earlier, it was Watkins' touch, then the nutmeg, the cleverness of the nutmeg, and then Cash's cross, where he just whips it in, and as McGinn just appears the back post. McGinn was playing yeah. right side of midfield, and there he is at the left back post, flying in with a, an attempted scissor kick that he absolutely skied because the ball was slightly too far ahead of him. But it was it was exciting. That was the three things you wanted to see. I wanted to see how Watkins would handle being the focal point of the attack because I know he's a lovely footballer. And I wanted to see what Cash was like on the ball because you know I haven't watched a lot of Nottingham Forest. And uh, and then just to see John McGinn, yeah, back to his eager best. And there was a worry once he made that run. Right, okay, how many chips has he had over the summer? Is he going to be able to do that all all game? But no, he was he was he was very good. He was very good. It was, it was great to see him back because I didn't like. I didn't like not liking John McGinn last year, yeah, because he's such a likable player because he tries his hard out. Well, it wasn't; it was never a lack of effort. It was just he was leggy. The ball was bouncing off him, and he was overhitting passes, as I said already. Yeah, John McGinn can have as much chips as he wants if he keeps bringing that every week. Um, <laughs> look, one game in, I'm excited. I'm not going to lie; I I like the look of it. Everything looks solid. Everything looked balanced, um, and yeah, they looked potent as well. And um, coming up. We're going to like you know because it's not always it's not always positive watching an Aston Villa game. So coming up, we've got WhatsApp winges. All right, Liam. So you have just stopped texting me back. I think during Villa matches, um, I, I've noticed that like on Saturdays, for example, you don't seem to turn on your WhatsApp until after the fantasy football deadline. Um, so I think <laughs> I think you're avoiding me because I'm asking you a lot of questions about fantasy football. Um, and during Aston Villa games as well, you seem to you seem to go dark every so often. I think you're just fed up with some of the shit that I'm sending your way. Um, so to that end, I've got you on the podcast, and I'm just going to fire stuff at you that I didn't send to you, but I wanted to send to you, but I didn't bother knowing that you weren't going to reply anyway. Um, so, like I said, it's not always positive watching Villa. I think everybody will will understand that. So I'll just go through them, and you can you can give me your your thoughts, give me your response, put me at ease if you have to. First one, what's the point of trying to play out from the back if Tyrone Mings is going to kick it 150 metres every time he gets the fucking ball? <laughs> so this is obviously sent after about 40 seconds of the game where Tyrone Mings hooked it down the left wing twice and I was actually thinking, oh fuck, I forgot about this. <laughs> I can't watch this for another season. <laughs> but... But um, I think it stopped. I, I, don't, I don't know that someone showed it and that exact thing to him. Tyrone, don't do that. Because <laughs> so the, whenever he did that, when you look back at it, Dougie's caught. Like he's, not, he's not available for Tyrone Mings. And that's what your centre defensive midfielder needs to be doing. He needs to be receiving that ball from Mings. And I actually think as well that Mings has been scarred from having Nylon behind him for the last couple of games because he forgot and then he and then he soon realized that he could just turn inside and play it to Emmy and it would be fine um yeah so I don't think I don't think that's going to be a problem but Christ almighty sure got, we got the goal from it it didn't age well definitely because he got the goal and, and I'm worried that it's actually going to lead to encouragement I just encourage him fuck I forgot about that that was his right foot as well <laughs> yeah, right enough. Um, 
Yeah, as as the Kansas spent too much football over there, so he went over to the right hand side and just. <laughs> I'll show you. This is Don Boyle. <laughs> Number two, you have WhatsApp winges. <laughs> this is just I'm, I write this stuff down in the heat of the moment, and then I'm only reading it back now. <clears throat> Trezeguet has lost his belly. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. That's a. Uh... The only thing I can say to that is I'm surprised you could tell because I didn't realize Trezeguet was playing. <laughs> so I didn't see him on the pitch, so I don't know how you didn't see his belly. <laughs> right, here's one. Matt Target, you lazy fucking bastard. He saw Grealish turn inside and he just stopped his run as if he could no longer be part of the move. I, I think... Uh, I, I don't like given credence to your WhatsApp winges, as you know. But I think Target could be a problem this season. And yeah. maybe we'll come on to that and we're talking tactics later on. Um, or we can just go into it now. Um, no, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to it. We're almost, we're almost at tactics. Um, that, like, this, by the way, was it was innocuous enough, but uh, Target gave it to Grealish. And then, no, sorry, Grealish had the ball and Target was sort of going on an overlap. And Grealish turned inside. This is around midfield. And Grealish whipped this lovely ball in between two defenders. So Target just didn't bother continue. I saw it. I, w- I actually remember that now, yeah. Um, I had my hands out uh, and looking around the room on my own. <laughs> <laughs> With nobody, nobody to, to respond to my grief. That was, a, that was a perfectly good pass. And even you could see that Watkins left it as well. Because it was yeah. for Target, but Target just, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Uh, you can hear Grealish shouting at him as well. It's yeah. just, he, he's not going to be happy playing with that. The whole but game. again, like that's that, that comes back to this thing. Can you blame Matty Target for that? Because Matty Target can't do anything about that. <laughs> he's, he's not good enough. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, but this one's shorter. Matt Target, you stupid fucking bastard. Sorry, is this the WhatsApp winches or is this the Matt Target winches? <laughs> this is the WhatsApp. Like the, the WhatsApp doesn't discriminate. It doesn't like you know have, have a peak of who, how many times a player can appear. No, it doesn't seem so. Uh, Matt Target, you lazy fucking bastard. What was that? Was no, that was that was the first one. Oh, this is Matt stupid. That's right. Okay, this is intelligent. Stupid fucking bastard. This one. Uh, penalty, I assume. Um, that was absolutely unbelievable. That was incredible. Like brain dead. It was bizarre. It. He's a fullback, and he's surprised that there's a. And I know it's a centre half, but it's a centre half coming running in through the through the right wing channel, um, and he's surprised that there's somebody there on his shoulder. Ball, ball coming across the six yard box, and he's surprised that there's somebody there. Incredible stuff. It was a very clever pass, but Christ Almighty, what did he? Who did he where do you think that pass was going? Did he think the guy was trying to pass it to Martinez? Yeah, like, just be aware, react. It, it was a nice. It was a. It was a nice pass, but yeah. It, it had it's to a, be telegraphed. It's, it's, a a nice it's a nice pass that's not on. It's a nice pass that somebody plays and you think, come on, like, give me a bit more yeah. than that. Like you're trying to thread a through ball in between the left back and the goalkeeper who are about five yards apart. It's not on. Don't play it. That's a stupid yeah. pass. But you've got Matty Target playing at left back. It works. So second last one. Sorry, is Matty Target bored? Is it too much to ask him to have a bit of interest in overlapping? No, to be fair to Matty Target, <laughs> I think uh, I think Jack really stopped passing him the ball. 
And you know what it's like whenever whenever you make runs and they're not being seen, you start making those runs pretty fucking quickly. Sorry, Jack really's just seeing the run. He's choosing not to play the pass. <laughs> and the final one then it's it's all it's almost linked. Why are people so fucking surprised when Grealish finds him with a pass? Uh, I'll give a bit of context here. Um, this is a chance for John McGinn. There, John McGinn was one. That was that was more innocent because somebody looked to have gotten a toe to that. Like this was in the box when Grealish is going around the byline yeah. and he just slipped it through. Incredible. Um, it was just exactly, exactly what brilliant players do. They play the pass you don't expect. Yeah, Matt in that position hits the ball as hard as he can across the six yard box. But like, but that's it. Like, t- Target was one of the recipients as well. Like, you know, where he's like, "Oh fuck!" Like, you know, shit, he's found me. Or you know, I wasn't even thinking about being part of this move. Like, your best mm. player is on the ball. Like, waking up, and yeah. Harahan was one of them as well. Just, just sort of dozing off the edge of the box, and suddenly, oh god, there's a there's a big chance from eighteen yards out because Grealish has set me up. Yeah. Like, Grealish has the ball. Everybody right up. Especially if you're Connor Harahan, because you know that. Jack Grealish respects your left foot and he's going to be playing it to your left foot so you can have the shot. So be aware, it's coming. It's coming, that's it. Like, you know, when Grealish has a ball, everyone's an option. So get your head mm-hmm. out of your arse. And Grealish knows her hand's not running either. I don't, I don't know how uh, cathartic this is because it's actually just dragging me back into that pissed off mode that I feel during the game. Um, even though I'm very happy, but... I had to get that negativity earlier. We'll go into the analysis now. So um, you mentioned, like, we, do we want to do the, the Matty Target talk first? I want to leave, let, Let's leave Matty Target a second because um, we've given him enough grief for now. Uh, Douglas Louise, one of the things I'm really impressed at, obviously his class, but he is just holding that midfield now. Like, he's not he's not going ahead of the ball. There was one chance, or one, one chance for him to sort of bomb forward. Grealish had cut inside. And it all opened up for Louise. And he just... He didn't even, he didn't even sort of make inroads to to making a move forward. It was like, no, no, I, I'm holding this because if we lose this, there's nobody there. He was just always conscious of trying to drop back alongside Kanza and and Mings whilst also controlling the game. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I'm going to go back to target just very, very, very quickly. So, and this is this it ties back into Douglas Louise. So the way Villa are playing though, they've got high wide fullbacks, and the reason that they can do that is because they've got the pace and one-on-one defending of Mings and Kansa, but also because they've got Dougie in there as well. And they didn't have that last year. They didn't have both of those elements. So that now allows them to play this system, but also it gets the best out of Douglas Louise. I'm surprised. I've actually thought the midfield had brilliant fluidity in it i thought that there was there was a lot they were a lot more clued in than they normally are like i thought the three of them were rotating a lot but it was a very clear system of where the three of them were playing and what the rules were but if connor Urahan went dougie shifted mcginn didn't go i thought i thought it actually worked really well there was a lot of fluidity but also a lot of balance in the midfield i thought but yeah it's all anchored by the anchor of douglas louise who villa are going to be doing very well to keep a hold of over the next 12 months because he is an absolute elite footballer and it's amazing that's what that's what it's like to be a villa fan now as soon as you get someone at that level you're like fuck are we going to get the hold them but no it just seems to be getting new contracts for all these boys i saw i saw everybody writing that so tyrone ming signed a new contract uh today and all the replies underneath which is like announced doggy new contract (laughs) you know because (laughs) that's the one that had to be tied down 
No, he, and he's, he's absolutely incredible. Even towards the end of the game, he's still bossing, and he's got some amount there. I don't know what that fellow was doing over lockdown. Yeah. And you could see you could see beforehand, he was probably Villa's most frustrating player because he had everything that you wanted to have. He could see passes. He was very clever. He had the athleticism to get around the ground. He could defend spaces quite well. He was alive to target falling asleep, to Hurahan falling asleep. This is last season now. But he was also really prone to falling asleep himself. But that just seemed to have gone out of his game in the last 11 matches. But isn't it amazing? Like, like I do remember I do remember Smith uh, talking about this. And he, he basically was just saying, like, he was new to the team. It takes him a bit of time to get to get used to it. Um, get, even get to know his teammates, never mind the system that they're trying to play. And, like, that that seemed to be the best thing for him, the season stopping, having more time to probably chat with the manager, then having more time to train, and then just coming back and like, hitting the ground running. And now it's like, he... Obviously, Grealish would be the biggest loss, but outside of Grealish, it's like, he's the one that you don't want to see not playing. Well, <laughs> obviously, because the, the alternative is Nakamba. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Um, no, I, I think it, t- it took, because it took really about five games to get used to the more defensive system just after lockdown last year. Since that period, Douglas Luiz has been Aston Villa's best player. He's been absolutely incredible. Um, and that's saying something because Jack Grealish is in the team as well. You know, he's, 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 a, he's, he's, he's a word beater. He's, 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 his ceiling is, is higher than I, than I can put into words. So, with Douglas Louise playing like that and playing that well, and in that system, should that not suit Matt Target better? Who's got a good left foot on him, and you know he's not great at defending. So, so should that not free him up a little bit? It does free him up, but that's not necessarily a good thing because I don't think Matt Target's good enough. No, yeah. I was really impressed with Cash today, but you know it's, it's still only one game. But we'll see. But the, this the, the whole system now is is built around having high and wide fullbacks, and it looks like and it's very hard to say because we only had twelve minutes of this, and then the whole game changes. So mm. you, like we're, we're probably going to end up drifting into individual performances, and I don't want to keep focusing on on Matt Target. But the system is high and wide fullbacks, defensive midfielder, Connor Hurahan in behind the guy playing the free role because Connor Hurahan doesn't move as much. So that gives you the balance there. And then you've got uh, John McGinn bombing up and down. And I assume that what he's going to be doing there is playing Bertrand Terori in a similar role to Jack Grealish, as in an inverted winger. He's not going to be playing as an out-and-out winger like Trezeguet. Trezeguet's in big trouble if that's the system. And that's what it looked like in the first 12 minutes. Trezeguet can't play in that system. Um, so that, that having, having two fullbacks is really, really important to this system. But I don't think Matt Target's your man. The biggest problem with the system is going to be the lack of pace that Matt Target has. Yeah. And it's incredible that Matt Target has built a career being a left wing back when he can't run very fast. And that is the most important skill of a left wing back because they have to be able to get past people, but they also have to be able to recover quickly. And if you've got... Yeah. And I said it, like Kanz and Mings are brilliant one-on-one defenders. Cons and Mings have it in their game, or certainly had it in their game, to make absolute huge errors. So you need to have fullbacks who can tuck in as well and get back. Yeah. It, it's um from an attacking point of view, it's it's really exciting. Um, even like 
Now, D- Davis has this habit where he, he needs a bit of time to come into the game. Maybe that's fair enough. He's coming in cold. But uh, when he gets into it then, it's like, oh, he, he's, you know, he's, not, he's, not, he's not beating teams, but he's, you know, he's a good option. He's holding up the ball. He finds his passes, and he goes again. He's got a bit of energy. Um, so what I liked about that was it was absolutely hilarious because Davis came on, and then Villa <laughs> scored straight away. And, like, obviously, I think Villa were going a bit more attacking. They were probably thinking about going two up top because just the way Sheffield United were playing. Um, and then immediately they just shifted and moved Ollie Watkins out left. But but it, it, that's great in itself. So I think it's great having Watkins up top as a striker because, as you say, if you get McGinn, at, like, that sort of variation with that midfield three, Hurahan's left foot, McGinn, like, runs bursting forward, Doggies, Intelligence, and Grealish. And then you've got you've got Watkins buzzing around, but the fact that you can also start moving Watkins around accordingly, it just gives you so much flexibility going forward. It does, yeah, it does. But Keenan Davis is is so close to being an absolutely brilliant striker, but he's not. He's he's got so many of the traits that you need, but he doesn't have them all. So he's just not yeah. right there. And I know he's young. He's definitely young for a centre forward. But I just don't know. I don't see enough of him. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to have the same way Ollie Watkins. We were talking about Ollie Watkins' movement at the start. I just don't know if Keenan Davis has that. Sometimes I see, like, and sometimes it clicks with players later in their career. But Trezeguet's got the ball on the right wing. Get into the box because all Trezeguet is going to do is hit that. He's not. He's not going to play a clever pass. I mean, he played a very clever pass towards the end of the game, actually, out to, or to. Um, I think it was Dougie, but uh, like you have to, you have to get into the box, get into the six-yard box. That's where you score goals if you're Keenan Davis, and he doesn't seem to have that that nuance, that clever movement to get away from the centre half. But maybe that'll come. All right, we'll leave that there. Coming up next, we've got categories, and we're going to get into and hand out some awards. So categories, um, I've actually got a load of these, but I think tonight. We're going to stick to five of them, maybe. So the first one is the Peter Inkelman What the Fuck Award. And I, I think I've only got two options for this. So the first one was Connor Hurahan and his, uh, his pass back at the start of the game to, to Martinez. Now, I know Martinez likes to play Absolutely. a bit of ball. Loved it. You loved it? Loved it, yeah. It's a terrible pass from Hurahan. The very start of his career to Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez dealt with it. Brilliant. That just settled the whole team down. They could see Connor Huran playing an absolutely atrocious pass back to a goalkeeper. The biggest yeah. problem position. The last time we played against Jeff United, Oliver Nyland carried the ball into the net and then leaned up against the the side netting so that everybody in the world could see that it was a goal. And then we have this guy who's just not afraid to take a bobbly rickety oh. drill to, 20-yard pass from Conor Hurahan that doesn't even go into his feet. Magic. Set up the rest of the game. Go on. You say what you want. <laughs> I was just like, what the, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, just, um, Martinez had a couple of, like, and yeah, he didn't feel dodgy at all. They were, like, they were risky passes, but they were all completely under control. And, like, yeah, th- this bobbling pass that's, that's from, as you say, 20 metres away, there's people closing in on him. Uh, it's, it's, it's short. And Martinez just comes and absolutely drills it. Like, it was just such conviction in it. But I have no idea what Harahan was thinking. The only thing yeah. that he is... Connor Harahan knew what he was doing. Connor Harahan knew what he was doing. What, he testing him out. Testing his mentality. See what he's up, see what he's up for. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the acid test, like they, they, they put the island and, and Pepe Reina through. Do you know how good that foot caught her hands? Do you think he did that intentionally? Unintentionally? Hernandez <laughs> never missed a ball in his life. Well, he's lucky tonight anyway that he's not going to win this award because it has to be Matt Target, right? I'm not, I'm not missing anything else there. I'm a Matt Target's penalty decision. There's nobody. I don't think there's anybody no. else who's up there. No, the, 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 that, for the Peter Ankerman award, it has to be it has to be Matty Target. Even, even if we're forgetting other things, it could be nominated. As we said, left fullback, not aware that there might be somebody on his right shoulder. Get a grip. And then just tripping over him as well as his reaction to it. Yeah, man, he didn't even get him. Like, he got formed nearly so bad. Like, you know, he, he was the one that ended up falling. Uh, and the, do you know what the annoying thing about that is? Is that Martinez took up a great position. I actually think he might have smothered it. Like, he seemed to be reading it really well. He knew he knew that the centre-back was going to touch it that way. It was a bloody centre-half as well. Like, he wouldn't have the same sort of conviction. It wasn't Xiong Ming Song coming through. Um, yeah. And Target just, like, took the decision out of his hands. <laughs> Hang on. Maybe we're forgetting something here. Maybe he wanted he saw Connor Urahan testing Martinez early on and he thought, right, fuck it all up it. I'll give this bastard a penalty to save. See what see what he's like then. Coming on here swinging his deck around to see how big it really is. <laughs> That's the best possible way of looking at it. Um The Andreas Weiman Award, I could never hate you. I only have one one guy for this and like well Emmy Martinez is actually bloody close to be honest but he's got one game in it's it's John McGinn just because of how you you touched on it earlier like I was feeling not let down but I, I was feeling annoyed at myself that I wasn't liking John McGinn at the end of last year and just seeing him again tonight it just warmed the heart just the amount of the amount of energy and bite and class that he brought it was I, I can never hate this man yeah he's, John McGinn is although playing in a different position is very similar to Andreas Weiman in his likability. He's just yeah. also able to play football, which is of a huge benefit for a professional footballer. One of the awards um, is going to do, but then Villa, actually interestingly, we can talk about that here, um, is the substitutes, so only one substitute. So I, I have a, a thing down here. We'll, we'll dip in and out of these awards as, as each game uh, dictates, but this one is, is heat check, so basically just for the, the best sub or the best short burst impact. I actually had John McGinn here initially for the first two minutes. I was like, if he doesn't do anything else, he's going to get this award. Um, but Keenan Davis is in purely for the fact that he came onto the pitch and Villa scored. But very interesting that, yeah, they didn't... Like, I, I was sure that Nakamba was, was coming. Um, and just nothing else. They were, they were happy just with how the game was being controlled and they didn't want anybody potentially buzzing that up, I suppose. Yeah, it was very strange, wasn't it? It was kind of like a they ended up playing an almost lopsided four four two, especially well, particularly in when they were defending. It was it was bizarre. Does that does that make you worry about Nakamba's? I'm not particularly worried about it because I don't think Nakamba's any use. But make you worry about, or does that reveal what Dean Smith thinks of Nakamba? That he was willing to play that system when they were one 0 up in the first game of the season. Remember, he just come out of a relegation battle. Sheffield United. Granted, they're the most overrated team in the Premier League, but they had a good season last year, off the boil a bit after lockdown. But I think even during that period, they they still beat Spurs and Chelsea. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was, a bit, it was a big, big decision to to leave on two centre forwards, especially because Jack really looked like he was playing as if it was nil all. Yeah, like, and that's it. Like Jack, Jack really was going wherever he wanted, and 
like don't forget, yeah, they took off Connor Horan, a midfielder for Keenan Davis, and then when the goal went in, or at least you know when when the game started closing out, I like I wouldn't have uh, begrudged Dean Smith bringing on the Kemba and taking off Watkins. Well, just in the interest of full disclosure, you text me immediately saying take him back off. You. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make the WhatsApp window. So um, yeah, no, it, it was it was a big decision. I think about it again, like you know, we know what Dean, Dean Smith's mentality is. He he did what he had to do to stay up last year. But Dean Smith believes in winning football matches, and the team the team started dominating the game. Then again, towards the end, the chef United obviously tired because they had ten men, but it was working. So should he have been that concerned about it? A little bit worried about the fact that. It is an automatic substitution for Aston Villa on 60th minute if the game's not going well to take off Conor Horan for whoever it may be. That's the sub that gets made. Mm. I mean, Trezeguet was anonymous. That was the sub I would I would have been expecting to make, especially because you're playing against nine defenders. What you need against nine defenders is bravery and risk taking on the ball. You need guile, but also if those things aren't working. Was Conor Hurahan, like of all the players on the pitch for Villa, other than Jack Grealish, he was the one that was given that the most. If you yeah. can't break down a team with nine defenders, you need set pieces. So this is what I was going to say before I realised that it was uh, Matt Target who actually ended up playing the corner after Conor Hurahan went off. <laughs> yeah, we're having an absolute nightmare to be honest. <laughs> Matt Target's actually... award. We just gave Matt Target a Peter Inkelman award and spent the whole uh, WhatsApp section slagging him off, and he's the one who whipped in a very nice corner for Mings to head on. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We're going to have to edit out a lot of this. I think once we take out the Matt Target references, it's probably about four minutes long. Well, you mentioned Trezegui. Actually, Westwood, oh, he was playing award. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, I don't know how popular that category name will be because Westwood is divisive. Every um, popular amongst Burnley fans, anyway. Is he not the reigning player of the year? He is. He sure is. Um, and still starting the team and like doing well for him. And this is the thing. I think a lot of Villa fans' judgment, like anybody, I think everybody was annoyed at Ashley Westwood when he was playing with Villa. Especially, like, don't like the Lambert days. They were going really badly. They had a bad team. Like don't don't let him play him well for Burnley. Cloud that. But I think some of the the points that people are making is that he always had potential, and we just never. We never get a chance or whatever. Um, anyway, he, he was anonymous for Villa um, at his best. So <laughs> his name, this award. And yeah, Trezeguet is, of course, um, one of the two. I, I've got two people put down here. Trezeguet was anonymous. He, like, this system, you said it, it doesn't really suit him that well. Um, and that's probably a worry for him going forward. Now, like, if Ferrari hits the ground running, if they get another signing in there, then Trezeguet becomes a good option because it's not always going to be that automatic sub, potentially. Keenan Davis for Harahan. It's like, can we bring on somebody to play a bit wider? Or even gives him else. Um, and, and he already comes on and busts the gut every time he does come on. The other person I have here is Matty Cash, which might be a bit harsh. Ooh. And maybe the, game didn't, maybe the game was chopping and changing as it went along. But Cash started well and then just, yeah, he sort of flew under the radar a little bit. Which isn't always bad for him. <laughs> So, I, mean, I think you have to remember that's, that something happened in this game. Was there was a there was a sending off? Aston Villa's game plan was designed, as I mentioned before, designed around their fullbacks getting high and wide. And Dean Smith has coached his players for the previous week about how to score against Sheffield United's three five two system. He didn't have any time to prepare beforehand. 
about how you were going to score against nine defenders and a goalkeeper. So that entirely changed the system. And then whenever you've got a left back and then another left back, there's no space. There's no space. So that maybe we're being a bit harsh on Trezeguet as well. But there's no space for your own right back then to come forward. So he's he's staying out wide and he's playing deep crosses or he's just playing it back into Dougie. That probably brings me on a little bit to the to the, the how Villa actually handled that. Was it wasn't it wasn't ideal. Like what you do in that position, you have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined positionally, and you have to be disciplined in your playing style. Villa were all over the place. Even Watkins was dropping into midfield. You can't do that. He has to stay as a centre forward, or they were playing those crosses that Maddie Cash ended up playing crosses from about you know thirty yards out. Crosses for defenders to head away. It was it, Villa handled having the extra man badly, I think. So that probably fed into Matty Cash not having as big an impact as he was having in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, um, but I think Trezeg is going to win it anyway. Um, so congratulations. You're the first winner of the IC Westwood. Oh, he was playing award. Um, <laughs> so before we get into Man of the Match, um, I've got a final category. Well, Man of the Match is essentially the final category, but questions we can't answer. So I'll fire some of the matchy, see what you think. <clears throat> Would Emmy Martinez have saved Kanz's header? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. It was a really, really strange decision from Ramsdale to not dive to block a shot. Instead of just falling in the general direction of the ball, he probably should have tried to save it. I mean, I, 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 like I, I was Jordan Pickford's the only other person I can imagine not saving that. <laughs> <laughs> and he reacted really slowly as well. It was um... he, he reacted slowly and fell to the ground. It was exactly what you don't want to happen from your goalkeeper. Yeah, and a big money signing goalkeeper as well. Um, and who Villa were apparently linked with. I yeah, uh, ju- judging from what we saw from Emmy Martinez today, I think, I think he would have saved it. Um, so if we call this questions we can't answer, but we have just answered that one firmly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Why does Alan Smith hate Villa so much? Or is he just dire anyway? I think Alan Smith just hates football. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, fed up, I'm fed up with cool commentators who are miserable. Like just, I'm tuning in to watch a game. You don't need to tell me how, how bored you are with your life. Yeah. like yeah, like I, I'm not necessarily happy that, that I've spent so much of my life watching football matches. I don't need to be reminded that it's not necessarily a great use of my time. By somebody who's supposed to be paid to make the game more exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, like all you have to do is illuminate the match. Like you don't need to tell me how much of a a sad time you're having. And it just like I, I don't know be- what it is. He has an awful habit of like because he's not enjoying himself so much. The team who are ahead or the team who are on top are usually the the victims of his scorn. Like because he's, he's so um. He's so pissed off that he's almost blaming them. They're not making it even better. He forgives the other team, basically. Yeah, I think often as well. He just he just drifts into the the piece of paper he was given whenever he was recording the FIFA 2019 edition, where he's just saying absolutely bland, trite things about football that everybody has heard before and he's just repeating things that other people have said. He's giving you no insight and he's doing it in an incredibly way what was the question <laughs> i can't remember um did did john terry get demoted from taking his uh pre-match huddle talks 
Shakespeare, Shakespeare coming in was such a big boom that I think everybody actually forgot that John Terry was still there. Uh, it's, it seems that way, uh, but you're, for the first time, you've asked a question that I just cannot answer. <laughs> there we go. The category works eventually. I, to be honest, I only have this in because when Villa were going badly and when it looked like they were going to get relegated, um, I, ha- I started taking it out in John Terry because I was sick of seeing him before every game getting them all in a huddle and just trying to G them up. I was like, it's not working, mate. Like, you know, tell them something more practical. We don't need you telling them to come on. It's like watching All or Nothing, Josie Mourinho just saying nothing the whole time. Yeah, I I, I know. I was on the other end, but it was WhatsApp messages. <laughs> um, will all the managers ever figure out why Dean Smith and John Terry and co watch the games from a much better position whilst the stands are empty? So they, <laughs> they go up above and they get a better view of the match. Nobody else seems to have copped on to this. And I saw Dean Smith doing that, and I thought, oh, that's brilliant, yeah. And obviously nobody else did. <laughs> Nobody's all, maybe, maybe they're just so used to watching the game from that, but it's terrible. So, like, if you're ever at a, at a match and you've got seats at that level, it's, it's shite. You can't see what's going on at all. You can't see patterns of play. You can't even see the other fucking sideline. So, yeah, why you wouldn't go up? I don't know. Like, uh, if I was Smith, I'd go up even higher. There's nothing better than seeing the full pitch. <laughs> if I was John Terry, we'd go up even higher again. <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> go along, mate. No, they can still hear you, buddy. They can still hear you. <laughs> How many goals would Villa have conceded with Nyland in goals tonight? <laughs> so I've got the answer for you. Uh, do you, do you want to guess and I'll tell I'm you guess. Well, Connor Horan would have scored an OG correct <laughs> the penalty would have gone in correct um, and there was one cross that he came out for and just plucked out in the air confidently that I assume Nylam would have scored an OG from so I, I had um, there, there was a high ball there was, there was a few crosses so I wasn't going to say that Nylam would concede from all of them but like there was one that he fisted about forty meters downfield as well with a lot of people around him, um, and that one that you mentioned, he just caught it and then had the the wherewithal just to fall on the ground as well. Mm. Nyland definitely would have leaked from that. Yeah. Um, and... Either from the attempt to catch or from whenever he tried to fall to the ground to waste time, it probably would have squirmed under his legs. And... <laughs> well, I actually I have the my answer is four, so it's not it's not even three because I just think. Over the course of 90 minutes, Sheffield United's XG has to go up by one, just in general. Um, Villa will be under too much pressure because they know that Nyland's going to balls up. His kicking's not going to be as good. He'll be rushing his restarts. Everybody's just jittery now because you've got a really bad keeper behind you and Sheffield United are just getting more chances as a as a consequence. So And Lundstrom's ego would have actually paid dividends. Is a few yeah. Kevin De Bruyne spanks would have just flown straight into the net, no matter what part of the net they were into. Yeah, target would have been exposed even more. <laughs> Getting on the target again for no reason. <laughs> so the answer is four. Uh, well done, you got close. So you've gone from questions that can't be answered to just giving me a single digit answer to a question. <laughs> and finally, man of the match. I have got one, two, three, four, five. I've got five names down here, actually. Maybe it was being generous. It's basically because I've got Emmy Martinez in there, but like he was, obviously wasn't man of the match. He was just really good. Um, so I can take him out of it. Uh, I've got Ezri Konza down. 
Um, Ezra Kanza obviously scored a goal. A, a great clearance on uh, David McGoldrick early on. Just like there was a goal Arsenal conceded against West Ham there at the weekend, and just that, that ball goes into that corridor, and the Arsenal defender is just at the other side of the striker, just watching it. Yeah, um, Kanza was at the right side. The fullback should be behind him like he is, and he's in front of the defender. Slides in really well because it's such a good ball. Um, controls it really well to sort of to get rid of it in a nice position. Um, yeah, I just thought like yeah, you mentioned his pace. Just think he's he's bringing a bit of assurance, and the more games he plays there, the better. John McGinn, I have down maybe that maybe it wasn't man of the match, but um, maybe yeah, like John I, McGinn bias there maybe. Probably probably the Vyman effect. Uh, <laughs> Jack Grealish is here because like I really I really don't want people to ever start underestimating what Jack Grealish brings to it. like. So that's like that's an average game tonight for Jack Grealish, but anybody else puts in that performance. And we are sitting here raving about them for the rest of the week. Oh, like, and that is a real danger because you, you've seen Jack Grealish just go off and win games on his own. But Jack Grealish was really close to winning that game as well. He controlled the game. He had created three chances for himself. He created a lot of chances. Like, he's just an absolutely unbelievable footballer. And the best Villa player in my lifetime, without a doubt. He's unbelievable. And there is a real risk that people will see him play tonight and not realise how good he actually was. Better than Gareth Barry? Comfortably. Better than James Milner? Comfortably. Better than Bosco Balaban? That one's closer. That one's closer. But I think he edges it. Imagine the two of them together. The player Bosco could have been. Jesus, put your hands together. <laughs> um, so we probably do agree on man of the match through um, uh, Douglas Luiz. Douglas is brilliant. It, it was a strange game, though. Because very little actually happened, and it was just Villa, Villa managed the situation badly, where it was the fullback, back to Louise, back to the fullback, and it was just like, you have to take risks here, lads. You have to try to start to do things, which Jack Grealish was doing, you know, those round-the-corner passes into the centre-forward or John McCain a lot of the time. So th- there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of, for Villa to do. So I was actually, even though you dismissed them earlier on, I was going to say give it to Emmy Martinez because he had the biggest impact on the game. Because that game is completely different if Sheffield United have scored. That's fair. That's fair. Do you know what? You've talked me around. Questions we can <laughs> questions we can answer. Man of the match, Emmy Martinez. I sort of wanted to give the Douglas Louise just to to finish the show off the same way that we started it with two letters from Douglas Louise. Fe in Portuguese meaning faith. Keep the faith. Aston Villa are up and running. Ah, it's good. It's good to be back. Thanks for joining in. Fulham next week another Monday night game, six p.m. again. I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling optimistic. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.